On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. There has been something of a government compromise about the use of facial recognition technology. We've learned that Fine Gael allegedly climbing down in a long running row over, uh, with the Greens, the Greens having concern about the use of facial recognition technology by Angarda Shiakona. Uh, the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, is with us. Minister, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Gavin. Hi. Have you? Can you confirm that? Have you uh, agreed now not to use facial recognition technology, or at least to put it in the same bill as the the wearing of body cams? Well, look with with respect to this discussions are still ongoing. Um, I am still discussing this with colleagues, so I don't think it would be appropriate to get into it. Um, I think we're all very much of the view that we need to make sure Gardaí have body cameras that they're rolled out as quickly as possible. Um, and I am very clearly on the record as saying I think that in gathering all of the information through body cameras that we should have facial recognition to be able to, you know, that the Gardaí can access this information as quickly as possible. But I am still working that through with colleagues and I think until uh, until those discussions conclude, I don't think it would be appropriate to get into it any further. But if those discussions are ongoing, then a contention that you've agreed to split off the facial recognition piece and to deal with that later, that's that's premature. Or is it? Sorry, apologies. I dropped or the line dropped there for a moment. Was, but but if, again, so effectively, while, what while you're saying is that the, the uh, any reporting that you've agreed to park the facial recognition piece for now is premature. Look again, while discussions are ongoing, I just don't think it'd be appropriate to get into the detail of what is being discussed at the moment. Um, as I've said, body cameras. It is so important that they are rolled out as soon as possible, not just to protect the Gardaí, but also to make sure uh, that they can be used in certain types of criminal instances. Mm. Uh, as I said, the facial recognition, it is something that I believe is very important for the Gardaí as well to be able to do their job. So as we continue those discussions, and it's the first thing I said when I came back to this job two weeks ago, I want to find a compromise and in coalition uh, and in government, you know, we work together, we find a solution. It often means a compromise uh, and we're working at the moment. But I think getting into the detail office uh, okay. would be premature at this stage. Um, OK, the front page of the Business Post today, uh, Michael D. Higgins says that Ireland's present position in foreign policy is one of drift. He is highly critical of the composition of the government's new forum on international security policy. He says Ireland is playing with fire. He's stepping beyond the roles of his office, isn't he? Well, look, he's clearly expressed his views. Uh, there may be some who agree with them, and I think there's many who would not at the same time. What we are actually doing here with this consultative forum, which will focus on international security policy, is we're bringing together 900 plus uh, experts in this space, uh, representatives from countries right across the world, and we are asking them to look at our policy when it comes to international security. Mm. He, What's he's clear, quite critical about some of the voices population. that haven't been included. He's critical that it's made up of the admirals, the generals, the air force, the rest of it, but nobody from countries that are still neutral like Austria or Malta. Well, my understanding is that all embassies have been invited. So that would include Austria, it would include Malta, it would include Cyprus, and they are obviously neutral countries. So what you will see over the, the course of a number of meetings that will happen are views right across the board. I mean, there's been a number of surveys and I think a lot of people engaged with prior to this. And what's clear is that people hold dear our neutrality in this country. 
But we live in a changing world. We have war happening on the edge of Europe. And while we might be furthest away from what's happening at the moment, that doesn't leave us Mm. immune to any threat. So I think we all want to discuss, well, what are our capabilities? How do we defend ourselves? And how do we talk in this space in an open open way? And is it appropriate for the president to do that? Because the constitution says that the foreign policy of the state is a specific competence of the government. And the president's primary job is to make sure that the constitution is upheld. So he is someone who is supposed to make sure that the dividing lines remain observed. And he's getting involved now by by vocally criticising something which is specifically the government's competence. He's crossing the line, isn't he? Well, look, he's expressed his view. Uh, he's expressed he his view on many things before. He he himself knows what the boundaries are here. And I, I'm not going to get into a debate on that. The president himself knows what the boundaries are here. Uh, as I've said, he's, he's expressed his view. There are many who would agree with him. There are many who would disagree. And that's why we need to have this form. That's why this is so important that we bring together those who have different views, different opinions, and that we reach a consensus. And then we decide, obviously, where we go from here. But we is, is live in a changing though, world for, the, pre- for the president whose job, threats. The president whose job is to make sure that the constitution is maintained, vocally criticising something which is specifically the government and only the government's area of competence. I'm not going to get into a debate on it. I think the president himself knows where the boundaries are here and he's expressed his views. He knows himself what the boundaries are. He has expressed his views. It is now for us as government to make sure that those views and everybody's views are brought together and that a decision is taken. I think sitting on our hands and doing nothing while the world around us changes, while increased threats uh, are, are happening, I think that would be the wrong thing to do. So that is why we are moving with this forum uh, to make okay. sure that everybody's views in this instance are taken on board. There is a lot of discussion uh, ongoing uh, right now and certainly some of it makes the, the Sunday papers today about uh, the legislation that you're bringing through the Oireachtas at the moment about incitement to violence or hatred and hate offences uh, and specifically the, the idea that you're trying to criminalise hate speech without defining what hatred is. Why aren't you defining it? Well, firstly, can I just say this is not a radical proposal. This is not something out of left field. This is a law that exists in a vast amount of modern countries. So we're not coming with something that is new or radical. This is a reasonable incremental change to a law that already exists. So we have incitement to hatred laws from 1989. The reason that we're changing this one in particular is that in the amount of years that it's been in existence, there have been about 50 prosecutions. So clearly we're looking at it and it doesn't work. So we have reasonable incremental changes. The definition or hatred was not defined in the previous law because, Gavin, if you yourself or anybody listening thinks, well, what does hatred mean? What what does it mean to hate somebody? I think we all understand what that meaning is. Our courts understand this. The DPP, who would be responsible for bringing any prosecution, understands this. The Gardaí understand it. So to define it, and this was advice given to me by the current and the former, former Attorney General, would again render us with legislation that possibly wasn't workable. But, so but we have admit, a do, you that there, do you accept that there's a bit of a contradiction in terms there? If you say that there is an existing law uh, which, which hasn't proven robust enough because there's been too few prosecutions, and one and one of the things about it is that it didn't define hate. Are you not just repeating the same error? Because you, otherwise you're expecting the courts and the DPP to be able to get into someone's mind and to surmise what the motivation was instead of giving them a direct uh, definition to point to. But that's not what the issue is with the 89 Act. So there is an understanding of hatred, what hatred is. And as I said to you, if you think about hatred, it's not a, it's not a mild feeling. It's not a, a mild disliking for somebody. 
to hate somebody, I think we all understand what that is. The test, however, where we've seen this legislation fall down is where you're trying to prove that somebody intentionally went about to try and stir up hatred in some, you know, against a group of people. What we're now changing it to is intentionally or recklessly, recklessly, recklessly. Um, and again, the, you know, when we're looking at that, it's where we say somebody um, has committed an act. Uh, they knew that the likelihood of them saying this or doing this would stir up hatred or violence against another group of people, and they did it anyway. So a lot of the the excuses and a lot of the ways in which uh, this law has not mm-hmm. worked is because people were able to say, well, I, I said it, I didn't really mean it, I didn't think it would actually right. result in anything, but that's simply not the case. I, I suspect that there will be some people listening to this who will still say that hatred is is a subjective thing rather than an objective thing, and it's harder to prosecute for that reason. But let me just come to, to one other issue, though, that the, um, and, and I don't want to get too into the weeds of a debate about gender issues, but the legislation also defines gender in a way that hadn't been defined in any other law previously, which has led some people, and I don't want to um, imagine why they would want to do this, but some people are wondering if they now deliberately misgender somebody, are they at risk of prosecution under these laws? No, absolutely not. And we have to take this out of the weeds and, and where people are trying to bring this and rise above what is, you know, there's a lot of discussion and debate, be it about gender or other issues happening at the moment. You know, this is not about policing people's thoughts, their opinions, their genuinely held beliefs. There will still be an ability for people to discuss and to criticise protected characteristics. Um, there will still be an ability for people to offend other people. You know, you're not going to have a right to not be offended after this. You have to allow for reasonable debate and discussion, be it in a political sphere or otherwise. However, where people intentionally set out or, as I said, recklessly do something knowing that they are going to pit one group of people against another, that is where we are saying a line is being crossed. So you can't, you won't just wander into this. It won't be a case that somebody says something, you know, they ask a question, they're not sure, they, they have a very firm belief on something. It's not the case that they're suddenly going to be prosecuted for a hate crime. You know, I, I keep having particular names thrown at me like JK Rowling where obviously she's part of that debate that's happening mm. in the UK. She has never been prosecuted. There's never been charges brought against her. She might hold a very different opinion and belief to other people. Yeah. But that will be allowed. That will continue in this country. And so what, so if, if some, somebody have, in Ireland espoused the same viewpoint under this law, they wouldn't be criminalised? No, they would not. And, and that's what I need to make clear. We need to rise above what is a lot of noise, a lot of people shouting at each other over particular issues. And I, I don't like to bring it back to just one issue because, you know, the protected yes. characteristics here, uh, you know, it's sexual orientation, it's gender, it's nationality, it's uh, disability, there's race, there, you know, there's a lot of other yeah. areas. And we have to bring it back to the fact that there are people living in this country who are afraid, who are targeted simply because of who they are. And I think that is the line that we need to say should not be crossed. Not, you know, we're having debates and we have a difference of opinion. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of discussions in this country in recent years on very difficult topics where people have had extremely different views. It is not to say that this law, if it was in place, would mean that either side of those views, people would be prosecuted for hate speech. Th- That's but, not what we're talking about but, here. So you have a situation where somebody would not be criticised for voicing criticisms or, or some doubts about one of the protected characteristics, but that if they do so with the deliberate intent to spread hate, that's where the line is. It's a very difficult line to define. Though, it is. It? And, and 
let me give an example here. So, you know, there's a criticism that this is the thought police and that if somebody has material that they haven't disseminated yet, that the Gardaí are going to come and criminalise them. But if you have somebody, say, who is on their way to a protest and they have a rucksack with 10,000 pieces of literature and on that literature, they clearly have written that a particular group of people, that they are less than us, that they do not deserve the same rights as us, that we should rise up against those. You have language like that where there's clearly an incitement to hatred, but also violence, which is a new part in this because violence was not part yeah. of the previous okay. act. If you catch somebody with that type of literature, I think it is fair to say that that person intends on spreading that piece of paper to as many people as possible to incite hatred against that group of people. That's what we're talking about, not discussion and debate that may happen in the Dáil Chamber or the Shannon or on Twitter. We need to rise above that and think about Uh, the people here who are being targeted. That debate will continue in the Shannon. There's one other issue that I want to get to before I let you go. Um, You... There was obviously a lot of speculation about the Fine Gael leadership in last weekend's papers and you addressed it at a press conference this week and you said that there wasn't any vacancy and that you have long-term ambitions but that there isn't a vacancy right now. You mentioned in passing that some people within Fine Gael would have some issues with the fact that you've taken maternity leave twice uh, in the three years that you've been a minister. Um, how, how widespread is that view? It's not very widespread and I, I want to make that clear. I mean, yes, there are some, be it in you know, closer circles or in general that wouldn't have agreed with me taking it a second time. But, you know, I'm somebody who believes in family life. It's as important as my professional life. I think it was really important for me to spend those initial early stages at home. And I think it's important that other women see that they can do that, be it in politics or any other type of a busy career that people hold. So, you know, for the small few, and it is a small few, I have to stress that, who mightn't agree with this you know, that's their view, that's their opinion. But for me, I think it's really important, particularly the role that I hold. I mean, I sit at cabinet. I have firsthand experience of a lot of challenges that people face, you know, having families, you know, what that means, Mm. the cost that's involved, all of the different issues that arise. I think we need more people around the table who have that type of experience and that type of knowledge as well. So it it, it is a minority and, you know, I I don't want to dwell on it because it is a minority Uh, of people. Very very briefly and and in principle, uh, I don't want to to suggest this is on your own agenda, but is it tenable for a Taoiseach to take maternity leave at some point in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it should be. I wouldn't see any reason why not. Okay, we will leave it there. Minister for Justice, Helen McAtee, TD for me. Thank you very much for joining us uh, on On The Record this lunchtime. Very much uh, appreciate your time. On The Record with Gavin Riley, Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions. It all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.